Comic Book Savant, episode Welcome back to the Comic Books of Art podcast. I'm your host, James Harris. This episode, we're going to be doing a countdown episode. Hadn't done one in a little bit. And I came up with a a weird and really, I don't know if it's weird, but it's really a, a comic book nerdy um, countdown list. Probably more so than any I've ever done in 13 years of doing a podcast but before we get into that and i reveal to you what the super nerdy topic is for countdown i'd just like to give a shout out to my friends over at the comics podcast network you can find them over at comicspodcast.com if you're interested or looking for more comic book related podcasts to listen to similar to mine it is a one-stop shop where you can go there literally hundreds of different podcasts listed all related to comic books or geek culture in general um, you can find uh, podcasts that are a single person podcast like myself, or you can find a round table discussion type podcast or where it's multiple hosts. You can find podcasts on individual characters or publishers, or even like if you have a favorite team book, I've even seen team related podcasts. Uh, listed there as well so you have a lot to choose from and also it can be used as a resource if you are starting out and podcasting about comics and you want to try to grow and expand your audience especially when you're first starting out um, you can actually contact the administrator you can email the administrator through the the homepage and see about getting added on to the network so it can be a great tool to help you gain exposure um, with um with a new audience when you're starting out, when you're trying to grow a listening base. So it can be a good resource as well. Um, and you can, you know, possibly meet other podcasters as well and help each other cross promote to grow each other's channel. So that's definitely something you might want to look at, look into. So if you're interested in any of those things I mentioned, stop by the comics podcast network. Again, it's comicspodcast.com and go check it out. All right. Now, with all that being said, we're going to jump into the topic of this this episode, which is going to be a countdown episode. And I don't even remember how I came up with this. It was just like on a whim. But I came up with a concept to do a countdown episode on bases or bases of operations or fortresses that superheroes have. And I thought it would be kind of neat and kind of cool. And I was kind of surprised that far as that I can remember I haven't ever done like a top 10 or a countdown related episode on this topic before, which is kind of hard after doing, you know, 440 some odd episodes that I found a topic that I haven't covered at least once in some type of form or fashion. But um, I racked my brain and I went through as many of my notes as I could. And I was like, I really don't think I've ever talked about this before. So I thought it was a cool and kind of a, a challenge. So these, the, the, um, bases or hideouts or whatever you want to call them um, are in no particular order, but they're going to be just some of my overall favorites and I'll go into to why. 
Uh, first and foremost, I have to say the Batcave. Maybe if I had to rank these, maybe the Batcave would be my number one. I'm a huge, you know, Batman fan. Um, you know, the Batcave has gone through so many different iterations in the comics and from what we've seen in uh, television shows and in movies. Um, but it's always cool and like cutting edge and very innovative. Um, and it's always cool to see when a new, you know, um, creative team comes on, you know, the Batman book or you're going to see it in a Batman movie. You know, it's one of those things you're always excited to see, like how like you're excited to see how they're going to revamp the Batmobile is like the next biggest thing is like, what are they going to do with the Batcave? Um, so I always, you know, um, love to see all the different updates and see how many different takes. And it's like I said, over the years, it's been through all the different mediums Batman has been in. We've seen literally probably uh, not a hundred different variations or takes on the Batcave. And most times I never probably seen what I didn't like. They all, they always are kind of cool and eye catching. So Batcave for me, um, is one on the list. Um, next thing, the next one for me would be the justice league watchtower. Um, you know, now when you, depending what era you grew up in and, and how you were exposed to like the justice league or like for me, when I was a little kid coming up, I was, you know, cause then I was an eighties kid. So I grew up with like the super friends cartoon, which is kind of the justice league, but just in cartoon form. And then later, you know, as, as, as I got older reading, the actual Justice League comic books, you know, and they had the Hall of Justice, similar to what they had in the um, in the cartoons. And then when um, Grant Morrison came on the book, when he dubbed the book JLA, which is the comic that really sparked the uptick in popularity back in the Justice League, because they were kind of struggling at the time. Grant Morrison came over to DC. They put out a new book, just uh, JLA, came up with the concept of the Watchtower, which later was used in the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited um, uh, cartoons as well. I think they had another space base before that. I think it was like the Justice League Satellite. Um, but this was like a kind of revamped, uh, uh, sleek, really cool version um, of that concept kind of magnified in the Watchtower. Um, I, you know, I really... I really dug that um, iteration of it. And they've, you know, they've revamped that a few times over the years. And, I, you know, they, they switch back and forth. Sometimes they're off, you know, uh, like in a watchtower in space and at, in the atmosphere. Then they went back in a while in one of the runs, like after Grant Morrison, they, they went back to like Hall of Justice. And I think in the current um, um, Scott Snyder Justice League, they, they're back to the Hall of Justice, but it's like huge because it's different divisions of the Justice League now. So you have the regular Justice League, Justice League Dark, um, and Justice League like Odyssey. So it's like it's it's way more massive and um, a whole new concept take on on like the Hall of Justice. But I always dug the satellite more than I like the the Hall of Justice uh, for some reason. I just thought it was cooler to me. Um, next up, I would say Nightwing's apartment and I had to be very specific about this because Nightwing normally doesn't have like a hideout or a base operation, like the Batcave, like, um, Batman does. But during his original series run volume one of Nightwing within, um, the, uh, particularly during the, um, Chuck Dixon and Scott McDaniels run, which really runs within the first, um, Oh, 50, 48 or 50, some issues of that volume one of Nightwing. Um, it's revealed in the story that 
um, from the insurance money that it was an insurance policy out on Dick's parents. Um, Bruce basically took that money, put it in a trust and all those years it had, um, gained interest and he had owned shares like in the, um, Haley circus and all this stuff had comp- compounded. And even though that he was, um, Bruce's, um, ward and son, you know, adopted son, he had his own fortune and it was revealed to him during this run that he was basically a millionaire on his own. Um, and so he got a hold of this money, the building he was living, living in, in um, blood Haven, I think was going to be evicted or sold or knocked down. He found out he had this money. He bought the building while he bought the building. He did some renovations and basically made him kind of like a really dope kind of, um, um, you know, apartment, uh, kind of a secret, secret base. And it was really kind of cool. He had like some hidden, you know, hidden compartments where he can get up to the roof and, and, you know, he had like, um, little, um, recovery area where you were, it was tucked away in between the walls and had a whole hidden staircase and things like that. It was, it was really, it was really nifty. Um, it was, I think you can find these things and, and this was really cool because Back in the day, you don't see it too much anymore. DC still does like their 80 page giants sometimes, and they'll do little things like this. A lot of times when I was growing up, Marvel and DC would do these like um, encyclopedias. Um, I think DC's was called Who's Who, Marvel's was called the Marvel Universe Handbook. And, you know, it would be basically an encyclopedia of like everything in the universe. And it would even go in depth and it would show, you know, even like the superheroes, like if they had a hideout, they would show it and show a diagram of it. They would have floor plans and the whole nine. I went back and I had to Google these because I don't, I don't have, I used to have these, um, these books physically. I don't, you know, I don't have them now. Um, and I had to, I was trying to dig to remember where some of this stuff, where I could see, you know, these diagrams and stuff. I did a search on the internet. I found the one for Nightwing. I think it was from a Nightwing 80 page giant somewhere. And it shows like the floor plan and like, um, like all that, like modifications that he made. And, and like, they show like the hollowed out, like apartment and like all the different modifications he made to it, which was like really cool. And like in, in the Marvel ham, um, ham handbook or Marvel universe handbook, they would do the same thing where they would show floor plans and different things like that. Um, so it wouldn't be just what we saw in the comics. They would actually have like floor plans and diagrams and, and layouts, architecture layouts that you could really see how cool and where are these nifty things that they would hide where they would, you know, where they would be at. And, um, I always, I were these, I love that stretch. He even had his own car. He even had his really souped up like muscle car as well during that time period. I think he also had a motorcycle too. And they kind of did away with all that with Nightwing, but I'm not going to talk about Nightwing because I just get up so upset about all the stuff that's going on with the character now. But back then, I really thought that was cool and it really fit him. He was nothing super extravagant like the Batcave, but it was minimalist and just enough for a more grounded character like Nightwing. Uh, next on my list, I would have to go with another like classic, which is the Baxter building from the Fantastic Four. Um, it's just the, you know, huge building that, you know, they had so much stuff going on. Um, I just always remembered being a kid and I always loved team books. So I was always buzzing around the Fantastic Four, especially in the eighties with Walt Simonson drawing and writing it, John Byrne drawing and writing it. And even later in the nineties, um, when Scott Lobdell and, um, 
Mark Wade and Carlos Pacheco. Um, so many different people wrote on the book, you know, and I always would, you know, be fascinated on different takes they would do on the Baxter, Baxter building or how they would update it as, you know, the time and the decades changed, how they updated and always made it snazzy, slick and cool. So I was like, that would be a cool place that if I was a superhero, I want to hang out at the Baxter building sometimes. It's just a cool place. Um, next on the list is the X mansion. And this one was kind of weird when to put on the list because I was like, well, gosh, I was like, the X-Mansion is synonymous with the X-Men, but it's been blown up so many times. If you've ever seen any X-Men movie or if you read, if you ever read an X-Men comic for over a year, you've seen their, the X-Mansion blown up at least once, if not twice, if you're not lucky in a year's time. If you just ever read at any point in time, if you ever read like a year to year and a half run straight of the X-Men you at some point seen that X-Mansion blown up. I just, it's just the thing that they do. It's been, it's like a running joke in comics. How many times the X-Mansion has been destroyed and rebuilt in that, <laughs> in that whole universe, but it's still, you know, cool because it's a school, it's a home. Um, it's and it's a headquarters. So, um, I always, like that part that is everything to them and how like they're shunned by society but the one sanctuary they kind of always had is the x mansion where they could come back to um next i'm gonna have on my list the avengers mansion now we've seen avengers tower and especially with the mcu movies they've made like the avengers tower kind of a, a thing um, but for many years, and I, like I said, I, I'm dating myself by stating I was a kid of the eighties and I read a lot of Avengers in the eighties and back in the day, I can't, um, they had the Avengers, Avengers mansion. Now I'm trying to remember where it was actually located. Okay. I got the picture up here. So it was located. This is how crazy these, these, um, floor plans and things would be back in the day it literally has like an address where it was located in new york city they were like it's located at 721 fifth avenue between 70th and 71st at, uh 71st streets in new york city and like they have the mansion up top and they got the basement the sub basement um uh, firing range, all that, all these like levels that from the, from the sub levels underneath the mansion that were all the cool stuff was like hidden and quinjets and, you know, uh, you know, the hangar and all that kind of stuff. And it was just cool. And it was synonymous for a long time with, with the Avengers, like I said, especially like in the eighties. And I just always loved it. And um, one of the storylines where it got destroyed was um, Under Siege was, I think it was a storyline I reviewed again not too long ago, or I talked about um, maybe a year or so ago. It's one of my favorite Avengers stories of all time. And when the uh, Masters of Evil come in and the uh, kid, well, they hold Jarvis hostage and almost beat him to death and they destroy the uh, Avengers, Avengers mansion. And then like the Avengers come in and they were out on a mission. They caught him out and caught him slipping. And it's this huge, like huge, just awesome battle um, in that story under siege. But that's, um, I remember it was jaw dropping because that was the first time, like you saw that the Avengers mansion, like just get, tore up it was like rubble after it was done and i was like draw just dropped as a kid i just remember how like oh my god they what did they do it was like just crazy 
Uh, next on the list, I have Scuttlebutt, and I got, <laughs> and it might sound strange what I'm saying. Some of you probably like he's lost it right here. I was with you till you got right here, and now I'm lost. Okay, I'm going to explain myself. Scuttlebutt was a sentient, a sentient uh, battleship built by the Carbonites using the same technology that was used to create Better Ray Bill. So it was uh, Better Ray Bill's race before he was converted to Better Ray Bill uh, was the race that he's from um they they built this ship that was a sentient thing how it came into being a base of operations or a headquarters was through um x-factor um i can't remember who had the ship originally but they ended up getting the ship and he used the ship in the early run of x-factor when it was the original five x-men when when the book launched and I don't know if it was it in during the fighting apocalypse or someone, but they got possession of um, Scuttlebutt and it was used as their base of operations. I think later, Battery Bill gained control of it and used it. It was used by different people over the years, but I remember it most from when I was a kid in the 80s and they launched that X Factor book and I was really an yeah, X Men fan. And uh, Walter Simonson and his wife, or Louise Simonson, were writing and drawing the book. And I was just so into it. And I just thought Scuttlebutt always looked super cool as a ship. And, and you know, she, was, she would talk to them. And she had her own personality. It was, like, really just dope. And she's like a wisecracker, some, you know, smart aleck type thing. Um, and I just always thought it was really cool. So when I was thinking about this list of headquarters, base of operations, um, I could not forget Scuttlebutt. So I had to add that into the list uh next on the list i don't think you can have a list like this and not include the fortress of solitude though we all know that i'm not a huge superman fan that i always thought the fortress of solitude was really a dope headquarters and um it was very fitting that it was a fortress of solitude because for for someone like um superman that is you know spread so thin he tries to protect everyone all over the world he would just need a place where he can get away from that and just try to unwind and have that quiet time. So I always felt like that was really fitting for him and his personality um, to have something called the Fortress of Solitude. And we've seen it so many, again, like the Batcave, because they've been around for 80 years now. There's so many different permeations and things how we've seen them in the movies and everything else that um it's so many different takes that we've seen i always thought it looked cool um i always thought i you know i think my favorite use of the fortress of solitude was in uh superman 2 when he was fighting zod and the villains at the end of the movie and how it was a character in itself and that um that i think that's when i really was like this is a dope hideout it's not corny um fortress of solitude is cool uh, and I've just always, you know, been enamored and, and thought like it was really cool. It was very fitting to his, you know, him as a character. Um, and it made sense. And the last one that I have is the Avengers West compound. Some of you are probably looking at me and like well, Avengers West. Yes. Avengers West coast was a thing back in the day when I was a kiddo and again, the eighties dating myself that um the avengers split at a point during the 80s and it was a team that consisted base team i think was um hawkeye vision scarlet witch tony stark tigra 
Wonder Man. I think that's all I can remember off the top of my head. And Tony had a, you know, had a place on the West Coast, a mansion that he used for the West Coast Avengers. Now, I know we had a more recent series for West Coast Avengers that I think came and went. It got canceled. I think it made 12, 6, I mean, not 6, but like 10 to 12 issues. It was recently came out, recently canceled. I was picking that up in trades, and I have both trades, and I think I did a first reads review here but I, I haven't read the rest of it yet. Um, so I have it. I need to read it and I'll review the, tr- the trades. I'll re- probably just do a series review and do it here. Um, when I um, get around to it. So it'll probably be coming in the, in the next month or so. Um, but this is the old school Avengers West compound. And I was like looking over some pictures. I was able to Google and find, find some of the, you know, the, the, the layout for, uh, the mansion and how it had the main floor, second floor, basement, sub basement, level one, sub basement, level two, similar to like how the Avengers mansion was in New York. But this was, um, in California. And like, I'm just going to read some of this from the, from the page from the, um, Marvel handbook. This is like freaking crazy. They like the main floor, the main floor of the neo Mediterranean style villa, retains most of his original functions and furnishings. Although there are numerous surveillance and detainment devices to intercept unauthorized personnel. What? This is how detailed they broke this stuff down. And they have like a super like detailed, like architectural floor plan that you can like look at. Like it is insane. Um, but it was just so cool that they used to take the time to do those little touches to just make it even cooler and that we didn't have to imagine. We could actually see, visually see the layouts. And then when we saw the comics, we could understand, you know, where are they at? Are they still in the base? Where they are in the base? You could see these diagrams and these flat out, straight up blueprints, architectural blueprints of these hideouts. So it, it wasn't left to the imagination. You can visually see and understand it a little bit more when you actually saw them in the comic books. So these are just some of the my favorite headquarters or base of operations that I could think of that I wanted to do a countdown list on. And I want to hear what you guys think. Do you do you even think about or care about like superheroes in their hideouts or headquarters or base of operations? I mean, I'm trying to think about some of the books that I read now. Are they as much of a thing? I think far as with Superman and Batman, I mean with Batman, the Batcave is synonymous. Like it's always something. It's it's a it's a character in the book in itself. You always kind of see scenes from the Batcave. He spends more time in the Batcave, probably more than he spends anywhere else. I think for Superman, it's probably a little bit different. Um, you know, uh, Green Arrow had the Arrow Cave. I think at one point. Um, you know, so I don't I don't really see it is utilized as much. If anything, it's mainly like in team books. They have to have some type of headquarters or someplace that they meet nowadays, but I kind of miss it. You know, I liked always kind of them having some somewhere to go back to, not just falling down, broken up in their apartment on the floor, you know, and trying to hide. Um, That's why I really liked the night wings. Like he had a recovery room. So if he got really beat up, it was hidden in between the walls. So like if people came or like were looking for him, you know, he didn't have to kind of disguise. He could be hidden away um, in a safe place. Um, to to recover if needed, 
needed to be. So they were really, you know, nifty when you see them implemented in a book. And it just shows how much more tension, love and detail that the creative team puts into it, too, especially for a character like a Nightwing or say like you see a Daredevil or something like that or like a Moon Knight that you normally don't see that for. And then they they take the time to create that. And it and then it locks in the character and it's something that sticks. Unfortunately, with the Nightwing thing, it didn't stick. It was so to read that, to see that kind of run, it's, it's limited to those books that I mentioned. But um, for like, you know, the the uh, Avengers, you know, they will always have some sort of base of operations justice league similar thing um but those again are team books individual heroes is kind of hit or miss uh, but it's always like a cool thing to read and see and imagine about or see visualized like and now that we get movies and you know seeing how cool avengers tower looks and um you know things of that nature or the guardians like starship um, you know, that they live on, you know, so it's always cool to kind of see those things. So let me know, send me an email, comicbooksavant at gmail.com or just go to comicbooksavant.com, contact me and, um, send me, uh, send me a, a message through that. Or if you're in the Savant Society, uh, Facebook group, you can just leave a comment there about the episode as well. And tell me some of your favorite uh, hideouts and bases and things like that. I think it's just, I know it's real nerdy. I, I gotta work with me sometimes. I can't control my nerdism and why I come up with these topics, but I thought it would be fun. So work with me a little bit. Don't talk about me because I know some of y'all laughing at me and be like, he's really into this stuff. I am. I am. I, I am. I admit it. It's my fault. But, um, oh, speaking of the um, Comic Book Society Facebook group, it's been growing. I appreciate you guys listening to the show, hearing my outpours and cries and coming in and talking to us. We've been having a really good time. It's grown quite a bit over the past uh, few months or so. Um, feel welcome if you still listening, you have it. And if you're on Facebook, you know, I'm not, I'm not asking you to come to a platform that you're not already on. But if you're already on Facebook, you want a group where you can come in to meet fellow listeners talk to me want to you know um and have just like cool group discussions about just comics what you're reading um recommendations we talk about all that stuff and this shoot the breeze with one another to to get to know one another it is easy to find it is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the savant society you request to join as soon as i see your request i will approve you you come right in introduce yourself and just jump right into the fray um, I think when I first start talking about it, we might've had like 20, our membership has almost doubled in the, in the past few months. So many of you are coming, uh, been joining and just like, uh, spreading your, you know, positive, like, I feel like we have a really positive community and fun community and we're just talking to get to know one another. And, you know, I get to run ideas by you guys and see what you like and don't like, um, and try to give you content that you guys are going to enjoy. Uh, so definitely if you haven't joined already do that, if you haven't done that, um, follow me on, hit me up on social media on Twitter and Instagram, both at comic book savant. I still got the cool merch. I got a Teespring store up. The links are on the, the, um, website I have, um, I think it's, um, a support page or store. I think I have a store link up there now. I think I changed it around and it's a store link. So it'll take you straight to the Teespring store. 
Um, we have the, we have a Savant Society t-shirt. We have a regular comic book Savant t-shirt. I'm working with a guy. We're going to have some new di- new designs coming up in the next month or so. I'm going like into the holidays. I'm going to get some refresh and get multiple designs. Uh, brainstorming and working on a lot of cool ideas to, you know, it'll be more than just the logo. It'll be some really catchy stuff and terminology that I use from the different shows and stuff. So I have that in the works for you guys as well. Um, and also if you like what I do and you want to help support the show, I have a, um, I have a Patreon account, um, a Patreon campaign. I have different tiers that you get different bonuses for as little as a dollar a month. Um, it starts you off and you can get access to the comic books on my extra podcast feed. Um, so I do a whole nother Patreon exclusive podcast that I do once a week. So you get double, uh, double the comic books a lot for just a dollar a month. If you want, um, you can check that out, but if not, just keep spreading the love and reaching out, talking to me, you know, I see you guys retweeting and liking my tweets when I put out new episodes or put out new videos. And I really appreciate that. It's helped. It's helping grow. I'm seeing the numbers grow. The YouTube channel's growing. We're, we're, um, we just recently broke 400 um, subscribers. So we're on that road to 500. I want to, you know, I'm trying to push them, hopefully get to a thousand or close to a thousand as possible by the end of the year. So if you can guys can help with that, if you haven't checked out the YouTube channel, it's a lot of good content. I think at this point it's like a hundred and almost 130 videos. I have 130 almost unique videos on the YouTube channel. Uh, that's just, it's not the exact same content here. You get to see my face and I do, um, I do slightly different content there, but it's all comic book related. You know, I got television sh- uh, show reviews, uh, trade reviews there as well. Uh, so I don't duplicate any content. So it'll be whatever. Um, if you wonder if I covered a certain thing, if you don't see it here, you might want to check the YouTube channel and it might be a, a book. You're wondering what I think about it. I probably reviewed it over there and I do a exclusive series called the comic book collector's guide as well. That's over on the YouTube channel that I've done episodes in the past called like the comic book collector's handbook here. I kind of formulated that into a whole series that I have about, 19 or 20 episodes of so far of the comic book collector's guide. So definitely check that out. If you're getting into collecting comics or new to the hobby and want like a, a, um, a resource type, you know, uh, um, handbook or collection, I have a whole playlist set up there so you can go and smash all those episodes out and, uh, get a lot of useful information about being new to the hobby. And I talk about a lot of important, you know, uh, subjects into starting out collecting. Um, so if you're new to collecting or even if you're not, you know, I, I talk about a lot of different subject matter just as in the hobby in general and being a collector or a reader and how it affects you. So definitely if you have a moment, check all that out as well, but that's all I have for you guys for this episode of the comic books of my podcast. I'm your host, James Harris. Until we speak again, you guys stay safe, be good. And I will talk to you soon. Take care.